Welcome back to the Manga Revolution Podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary on the latest manga chapters and anime episodes. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Rock. How are you, Rock? Doing great, Kevin. Glad to be here. Glad to have you back, and so hopefully you enjoyed your Thanksgiving holidays, because we definitely are in store for some big chapters this month. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like not to waste any more any time, really, because again, like I said, we have a lot of big chapters to discuss this, this month with Spy X Family, Kaiju number eight. Sakamoto Days and My Hero Academia's November releases. So let's just get some housekeeping out of the way just to get that going. So um, if you want to follow the Manga Revolution podcast, you could always down- download us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you could get podcasts downloaded. And you always make sure to rate and review us five stars. We really would appreciate that. Um, those reviews are really important for us to get up into rankings. Um, and you could also follow the different um, co- commentary and reviews that we do on the comicbookrevolution.com website where I know Rock just did a breakdown of the, some sales numbers for single issues. I did a couple of reviews for comic books and some recent manga chapters for My Hero Academia and, and things like that. So you could follow us there. Um, you could also follow me at on Twitter and Instagram at the Kevin Lainis. And you could follow the Comic Book Revolution at CB Revolution and the Manga Revolution podcast Twitter feed at the Manga Podcast. Rock, where could we follow you? You can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at Rock2K's Revolution. Awesome. Well, let's, again, not waste any more time and get right into the chapters. And this week, we're going to start off a little bit different. We're going to actually end with My Hero Academia. I know we usually start off with My Hero Academia, but wanted to switch things up, and we're actually going to start with Spy X Family. So this this month, we only got one chapter of Spy X Family, unfortunately, but you know what? So sad, it's, it's Kevin. Okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> we got an anime announcement uh, th- yes. like this, ma- this month, so it keeps us happy that we're going to get an anime next year. So. Yeah. So again, for for given that we only get one chapter, so um, <laughs> so this is basically uh, chapter fifty six of Spy X Family. That it's basically just an aftermath issue where uh, Yor joins Lloyd and Anya on some, like a nice little vacation on a city that their cruise ship stops at, um, and they have a bunch of fun. And as they're having fun, Yor like admits to Lloyd that she wishes that this n- n- nice piece that they're having lasted forever. And so they have like an adventurous time, like in the city. Anya has this interesting adventure surfing that uh, Lloyd ends up having to save her. So <laughs> Yor doesn't know her own strength, but um, <laughs> after all, th- all these adventures that they have, like in this, like a couple of days that they spend in the city, um, Yor ends up passing out. Also Anya passes out. So this forces Lloyd to princess carry both of them back to the cruise ship. Yes! And, um, and then a- after the cruise, the cruise is over, Lloyd reports back to, uh, Sylvia Sherwood, everything that happened in the at the mission while your Lloyd tries to act like he's just normal spy mode mission. Uh, Sylvia notices that Lloyd does look he, like he's acting a little bit different, like he almost like he had fun, but he doesn't want to admit it. So that's where really where we wrap up uh, Spy X Family chapter 56. Uh, Rock, what did you think of this chapter that we got for for the series? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. This is in general. I've always been, ever since I've been a little kid, Kevin, I always loved the issue, that issue you would get after a big story arc, right? Like, you know, Legion, my favorite comic, you know, even with the biggest of all times, big events, uh, like the Great Darkness Saga, my favorite issue is actually the one after it's over. Like, I don't know, every time you have like a big story arc, the issue after, unless the writer's just mailing it in with the story, right? If the writer's not mailing it in, I like those little moments where you get to see the characters off duty and hanging out with each other and connecting with each other as just family and friends. 
It just really has always appealed to me. I don't know why. And that's what we get with this issue, Kevin. It, it, we get one of those, right, where we've had the story arc on the cruise line has been so action heavy, which has been fun. We've liked yeah. it. Yeah. But it's yeah. been I mean, it has been action forward on a title that you and I have talked about. It, it's strength often is the not necessarily the action, but the character work and and the interactions and the comedy. Right. Yeah. And it's I think the strength of Spike family is always like more the slice of life aspect yeah. of the series and where it's right. like you're just getting to see them just interact with each other the fun is anya lloyd and you're like sometimes it's just the two or two of the of the three or like all three right. of them together but it's always just fun seeing that all like these three characters interacting with each other because there's such a fun dynamic with again obviously like the whole thing with spy x family of one of them being an assassin the other one being a spy um but but here it's just fun seeing them like interact just as a family because this is like really where yeah. we're seeing and like at the end of the ish, at the end of this chapter, we see Sylvia even mention, "Hey, you know what? Lloyd looks like he's actually starting to be human." <laughs> and I think yes. that that really speaks to kind of what this series is: is that it's uh, like this family dynamic that the three share is really humanizing Lloyd and yes. Anya. And you could kind yes. of tell, like, you could kind of, as we see Lloyd interact with like Sylvia and the others people in the, his organization for with spies, that it, it looks like they kind of almost purposely did this to him to give him a family so that he just becomes human. Cause he was almost robotic when the series started <laughs> Yep, and he tries to be that at the end of this chapter, but you could tell like, there's that hints, even like Sylvia notices, like he's becoming more just like a normal guy. And right. it, it is because his interactions with uh, your and Anya is like humanizing them basically. Cause he was so like stoic and mm-hmm. just like, all just, I'm a spy. I'm, I'm a spy that this is all that matters to me. And, now you're seeing with, with just him having fun and experiencing fun maybe for the first time in his life that that maybe this is what he really needed to become like a complete person. And you could kind of tell that with like how they're having fun because even like the artwork, like there's no dialogue in a lot of cases. It's just them, yep. them interacting with each other. And Endo just allows his artwork to tell the story of them all bonding and that this is actually, it's not a mission at all. It's just right. them on a, on a vacation. And that, that's what's fun about it. Absolutely. And that's it. Look, the story arc, I think you and I are both in agreement that this story, this past story arc on the cruise ship has been, we've enjoyed it, but this has been a really long one. This, mm-hmm. I think, is the longest one, Kevin, we've had yeah. on this title, isn't it? Yeah, because usually, like, even like the longest story arcs were usually like three or four chapters. This was yeah. a very extended, I think, endo attempting, like, testing out the waters of can I tell a longer story yes. arc for this? And you could tell a lot of times when that this was his first real, like, test of, like, how far can I take it? How many chapters yep. should I go with longer story arcs? Like, because yep. we see that in, tra- in most traditional mangas, that's what it is. It's like we get six, six to 12 chapters, story arcs at the minimum, mm-hmm. um, if not longer for the bigger uh, mm-hmm. mangas. Mm-hmm. But, and Swag Family has not been that. This has, like, this series has been, like, mostly, like, made up of one-shot stories or, or like, two chap- like, two chapter stories, really. Yep. And this was his first attempt at that end. Again, we it wasn't perfect, but it was it was enjoyable, and you could almost now, especially reading this aftermath chapter, you could kind of tell that he is experimenting with it. He's trying to yes. see, building himself up so that he could tell a bigger story down the line, and maybe just refining his own storytelling because it was like really you could tell um, that it was his first attempt to to do this type of thing. And again, right. it was a good first attempt, and, and like hopefully he refines that. But with this chapter, just remind is just a reminder of what the series does best in is the slice of life, just that's the right. family dynamic of the three. And I think that's huge because, because this was such a long story arc, Kevin, and because it was so action forward, I feel like we have gone 
months without getting what I feel is the heart of this manga, and that is the the slice of life interactions between all the characters. So I'm glad that we're. Uh, I was like, ah, okay, there it is. That that refreshing, cool water. This is what I've been missing because it's what I identify this manga title with so yeah, much. Yeah. So I'm glad that we're getting it. it. It was gone for so long, and I've enjoyed that story arc, and I like the action. But it's been gone for so long. It's like, yeah. ah, okay, you're comfortable pair of shoes. You're, you know, yeah, you're comfortable yeah. uh, PJs, and you're just ah, relaxing in front of the fireplace. You feel happy again. So that's what I liked about this chapter. It just, it just put a big smile on face. It felt yeah. warm. It felt comfortable. Right? It's like a hug. Yeah. And, it, and, and, <laughs> and another it. fun and another fun aspect is because this is also your and and uh, Lloyd's first time really just being into such a family dynamic. It's always yep. fun seeing how they unintentionally translate their own skills and don't know their own strengths yes. to, to their normal lives. So like how like your pushes on your, in like the surfboard and you see like <laughs> she just launches her without unintentionally <laughs> and like Lloyd having to like do his special like surfing skills and showing off that he actually knows how to surf yeah. by yeah. saving Anya. It's just like things like that just are, are so fun and just like just you, you, you laugh because it's so much fun. No, you're right. And to your point, like when they leave the cruise ship, they go to, you know, I always kind of view everything through the world of Des- Disney travel, right? And Disney Cruise Lines has uh, the Castaway Cay, which is their private island in the Bahamas. And so they're kind of like on this cruise line's, you know, private island to where they have all the adventure stuff set up for you. And what's cool, because you mentioned it, is really the artwork carries the day in so many of these scenes of our family recreating together there's very little dialogue but the artwork is so full of life and so packed full of emotion again endo is a master at facial expressions and just allowing the art to just carry the story he does a great job of it and continues on here and to is to what you were talking about how you can see like their individual skills based on what they're doing like when they're on the the uh three-person bicycle yours like powering it for all of them yeah even <laughs> and, and even Lloyd can't keep up with her right right he's like <laughs> what the heck she's so fast and then you see him on the doing the zip line and Lloyd's got his hands his arms full he's not even touching the line right he's so perfectly yeah. balanced and and yours all like just swinging around like she's about to die <laughs> on yeah. it it's it's it, but it it gives you a little these are just these are just panels, Kevin, with no dialogue, but it gives you an insight into each character's personality, yeah. their traits, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. It just it's that's such good writing that is such good, not just good writing. It's good storytelling that artwork with no dialogue can show you here is this person's skill. Here's this person's skill. Here is this person's personality. It, it just that is really that's just great storytelling in general. Yeah, and it also just speaks to the strength of this series that it doesn't feel hokey. It doesn't feel like no. it's out of place. It, it feels like even though both Lloyd and I, and Yor are such badass characters that we've seen them kick so much ass. Right. This, like when you see these type of down to earth moments, it doesn't feel out of character for them. No. It just it just feel, and like again that just speaks to the storytelling of Endo like throughout the series and how he's built up all these characters that yep it, it just feels like a natural thing. Like yes, obviously like. Yor would be scared of the dark and going into the, yes. the spelunking cave that they go into, but then right. she would excel in the three-person bike or like when they're surfing, <laughs> like she would just be into the moment of like put like I said, pushing Anya and like not knowing her own strength and <laughs> or having to save her. And the same thing with Lloyd, and like he doesn't know, like he get he constantly gets surprised by yours like athletic ability uh-huh. he, because he thinks that Yor is right. like a normal just a, a normal person. woman. 
That's right. Normal woman. And so he's like, he doesn't realize how athletic she is. And it kind of goes <laughs> back to like the tennis chapter, like that we had where she had that tennis match against. Uh, uh, yes. Lloyd. Oh, that was such a good story. Right? So, and, and this I is the same thing that. where now this is the same thing of like Lloyd is now experiencing that, that what his, his partner did with, yeah. with uh, yours. So it's, again, yes. it's just fun. And then, then just having Anya there, like where she's just like this child and like th- she is just a child like of just enjoying yep. everything that's going on sh- so having mm-hmm. so much fun with her fa- family because again this is what she she wants is she wants to have a mom and dad and yeah and like even the most terrifying things or like, her getting upset that uh um lloyd builds a better sandcastle than her and stuff like that yes. it's just li- little things like that it's just it's fun like a- anya's reactions are always the best in this series oh, absolutely absolutely and i love the ending the ending is pitch perfect for this title it's just so in keeping with this title here's they've had a big day and your she just passes out right she just had she just had all that action in in the in the story arc and now she had a, a big day with the family she's like passes out right into lloyd and then of course anya being like every little kid they always pass out at the end of a fun day kevin you always have to carry him home it's just the way it is and having to see <laughs> lloyd princess carrie both Anya and Yor is such a touching scene because Lloyd is not a touchy feely, warm, caring person. So to see him carrying both the women and his wife like that, putting him in that position to be warm and caring was brilliant. And the look on his face when he's carrying the two of them, I think is perfect too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that is exactly what you would think that he would react. Like he's like, <laughs> He's both he's like frustrated and then embarrassed because he's like everybody's watching me carry princess yes. carry both of them and it's like yes. oh man that's not this is not the badass spy that I want to be but I I just got to do it. <laughs> I just it was so good. It was great and and the very end was wonderful. We got we're back home. Yeah. We see Bond who is awesome as always and Lloyd reporting his his mission details and it's just it's just a nice putting a a bow on the story arc it's a good ending and now I'm really excited honestly to see where Endo goes from here because I think that for the geez Kevin I think really for the first time I feel like he's I mean we still have the overarching mission I Mm -hmm. get that between the east and west right We, we understand that and and the uh so the school, we still have the main like, mission yeah with anya's school uh, school and like why why right. she's infiltrating that school for for right. lloyd but for the first time i feel like we've kind of i don't know he's almost reset everything mm-hmm. with the ending of this story arc yeah and he, he, i like so i feel like we have a lot of possibilities i hope we do focus a bit more in the next story arc on the school again mm-hmm. i would like yeah. I, I think that's probably a good idea but that's just me yeah, no, I, I think that's what we're going to get. And I, I think you're right about the reset point. And th- this kind of, in terms of just like now you're kind of realizing, like especially with what uh, Cheryl, uh, what is it? Um, Sylvia says at the at the end of this chapter where mm-hmm. Lloyd does look like he's changing for the better. And like you could kind of, that kind of is hinting that this mission isn't just about what, what they're doing with the school and trying to find out who this um, secret guy that they're trying to find or whatever and get on your close to so that Lloyd could get close to him. But you could also realize that this was an opportunity for the organization to actually get Lloyd out of his own comfort zone because he was such like, like I said at the beginning where Lloyd was really just very robotic, very much. This is my mission. 
I'm going to do it and then just move on to the next mission and just going. And you could kind of tell that maybe they even realize that we need to relax this guy. We need to get this guy to just realize he's just a, he isn't, it's okay to be a normal person. He doesn't have to be on at all times. And this, and this is getting him. And that's what this trip even does at this, with this chapter specifically is that it gets him out of his own comfort zone. He's experiencing just life in general. I think you got your finger on it because I believe that Endo has done a much, much better job up until now of getting your to feel like a normal person. I feel like we've yeah. gotten inside yours head and mm-hmm. inside her thoughts and emotions far more, far more in a far greater detail than we ever have with Lloyd. I feel yeah. like, Endo, I think he's done it on purpose, but I feel like Endo's kind of kept us at arm's length a little bit from Lloyd mm-hmm. and, and, and being careful how he shows Lloyd as a real person. Whereas your, it's been a little, a lot more unfiltered and at yeah. this point in the game and it's okay. I don't mind this. At this point in the game, your feels more like a real person than Lloyd does at this where we yeah. are right now. Yeah, and you and that that just is what this entire story arc was about, too. Of like her, is she ready to move on from being an assassin? Right. Um, we don't really get a resolution on that uh, at, nope. at the end of this, but nope. at least like we, we're seeing her when she talks to Lloyd Lloyd about it. It's like I kind of want this piece that we're feeling, like this family dynamic that we have to yeah. last forever, like her saying that it like openly and honestly, like. It's not just an internal monologue in the scene, which you would expect this to be. Like, I think that's a very important thing to point out, too, is that she doesn't say this in her mind. She actually says this out loud to Lloyd that she wants this to to continue on. And I think that's an important piece of dialogue in, in, in this thing, because she like normally would internalize this, but she's actually right. externalizing it. So I think yeah. that's a very important next step for her character that mm-hmm. Lloyd isn't there yet. But at least we, we're seeing her already there that she's comfortable being a mom. She's comfortable with just being a normal person. Agreed. Agreed. So, but overall, is there anything else that um, stood out to you with this chapter of Spy X Family that you want to mention? Uh, no, 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 I'm good. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so what would you grade uh, Spy X Family's chapter 56 overall? I'm going to give this one. I'm going to go. I'm coming in high, mm-hmm. Kevin. I'm coming in high. To- I-, I disclosed my bias for this kind of story anyway at the beginning of this review. So I'm going to come in at nine night girls at 10 for the story. I really, really like the eight night girls out of 10 for the artwork. You know what? I'm right there with you. Nine night girls out of 10 for the story and eight night girls out of 10 for the, um, for the artwork and eight and a half overall. Just because yeah. again, this is where Spy X family is at its best. And why I know we're both looking forward to the anime is because of storytelling yes. like this and can't wait for the anime and this chapter, especially like gets me excited for what, what the series has next, planned next. So. Um, awesome. Well, let, let's move on to the next uh, series that we're going to talk about is, which is Kaiju number eight. Um, this this month they released chapter forty nine and fifty. Um, and with with the with these two chapters, we just see a continuation of the Kaiju number nine storyline and actually Kaiju number nine Kafka realizing, you know what, this is a, a decoy body that Kaiju number nine released, and it's not actually the real body that we fought. And the, he also uh, warns Captain Nomura Nomuri uh, that he. Uh, the real target for the Kaijus is actually Director General Saoshinomiya, which we see that here for with as Kaiju number two appears at the Defense Force headquarters. And immediately General Shinomiya realizes that he is the target. So he gets everybody in the Defense Force to evacuate the facility so, so he could take on the Kaiju number two by himself. Um, and he powers up his gauntlets and everything. And it looks like they're evenly clashed, but actually Kaiju number two does quickly overpower uh, General Shinomiya and 
just annihilates him with like one punch to the ground, very, very hard, like he's uh, severely injuring uh, General Sh- Shinomiyo. And, and as it looks like General Shinomiyo is about to be killed, he, he remembers the memories of his uh, daughter and, and wife. And that allows him to like stand back up and power up his gauntlets that yeah. are set to be uh, Daikaiju level. So like over eight, an 8.0 um, uh, threat level. So like he powers up. This allows him to start fighting more evenly with Kaiju number two, but eventually, like because he's a little, he's older now, um, his age does catch up to him, and that allows Kaiju number two, who has like extreme endurance and strength, is this number nine, Kevin? It's it's Kaiju number two. Is he number two? Yeah, that that's what it was said at the, or I thought that's what it was said. Um, Uh, I think that he's number nine, nine? and. That, yeah, he's nine. Nine, okay. Kaiju number nine. I apologize for that. Yep. yep. No, you're so, good. So yeah, so Kaiju number nine overpowers uh, General Shinomiya and uh, just um, this again puts puts him in a very dangerous dangerous spot. So um, and once again he gets the power of of love and friendship with remembering his uh, wife and child again and is able to launch a, a full attack that destroys the Kaiju's uh, body like from tor- torso like neck down so and that's kind of where we end chapter 50 uh, rock what do you think of these chapters for kaiju number nine or eight? these are two excellent chapters as always we're getting what we normally get with with kaiju uh <clears throat> excuse me number eight is and that's excellent action first and foremost and these two chapters again very action heavy the art is the star of the show for me at least the art is incredibly dynamic it just leaps off the page at you this is fantastic action i mean the art is phenomenal the detail is just amazing how much detail that is packed in every single panel is just phenomenal Uh, matsumoto is boy Matsumoto knows how to do action scenes like very few people. It is so kinetic. It is so much fun. So I love, I love the art for me. That is the star of the show of these two chapters. Having said that, the action is well written. We get some in this action. Again, Matsumoto has been able to do this since the very beginning of the series, Kevin. Matsumoto has been able to use the action scenes to pull off good character work. And a lot of writers don't know how to do that. A lot of writers, I think, yeah. kind of divorce divorce action from character work. Whereas Matsumoto's like, uh-uh, put the two together. Because yeah. action scenes often can give you some of the best character growth and character work that you can ask for. Yeah. And I think we see that here. Yeah, and I think really when we talk about Kaiju number eight, it's always interesting because I think it's always the slower moments that it feels like this series at its it's at its weakest because he's not very good at like the slow calm down moments or like when, when Kafka is the focus or whatever. It doesn't seem like that that's his strength as a writer. It's always the choreographing action and how the dialogue will enhance yes. the action. And yes. like you see that in, in these two chapters specifically, like you mentioned, where just the shocked expressions of everybody that Kaiju number nine appears at in the defense force. Cause that is something that they could never imagine would happen. Right. Right. And like that shocked expression immediately gets you into like, they are in a super dangerous situation mm-hmm. right now that mm-hmm. like, can, can they even survive? Cause we saw them, even the decoy body of how strong that decoy body was that right. Kafka and the others were having so much trouble against like, and really like the only person that we know of that's, in the defense force that could help or like save them is, is the ge- director general who 
really when you think of like the director general he's the one that shouldn't be fighting he should be the last right. line of defense that's right really but he is really like the first line of defense here and that just shows you that man they are in really dangerous situation then just the entire fight of like just how intense it gets how um like the general shinomiya just has to like defend everybody so that makes sure that everybody escapes and then like he powers up and it looks like like his age is actually finally catching up to him because we have yep. seen him be a extremely badass. Yep. But now we see that like maybe the weakness for this character who's like almost like Superman level for for this series. Right. He is getting older. He's not at his mm-hmm. not at his uh, best right now. And like because mm-hmm. he is older, he is human after all. Like if, right. uh, <laughs> for as big and towering as the guy is. Right. Is, right. He is human, and like his age is definitely catching up with him. And you see that in this chapter. And like I think that's an important thing for Matsumoto to emphasize throughout these two chapters that while General Shinomiya is a badass, he's not invincible. No, I think it's really important. And also this action scene in these two chapters, it gives us an insight into the Isao's character that we've not gotten before this. They, they, you know, Matsumoto's hinted at the relationship between Kikuro and her father, Isao. And obviously it's, it's, it's frosty at best. Kevin is how you would describe it. (laughs) <laughs> not my, he is he does not show any tenderness to her whatsoever i mean he treats her like any other uh, uh subordinate underneath her practically whereas kikoro through flashbacks we've seen what kind of what kind of tender loving relationship she had with her mom much different than with dad and what i like about this action scene in these two chapters in particular in chapter 50 we finally get to see where not only is isao's age coming into play for sure. I think he also, I, I I think Matsumoto hints at Kevin that the loss of his wife has taken a toll on him as well. Uh, you know, he's still, obviously he's, he's, he's still strong, big guy with a, with a fighting spirit and still running the, this, this, you know, defense force. But I think the loss of his wife has taken a bit of his heart away from him, a bit of his soul. And I don't think he's, he views himself as the man that he once was when he had his bride by his side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, and that may be like why he even looks older than maybe he even is like, because right. he has, he's been so stressed out because he does have the highest position outside of being like the president of the country or something like that. He has the highest position in the, in the country really. And like, yeah, when you add that strength along with just constantly remembering that he lost his wife in a battle against the Kaiser against what he, he's always wanted to defend against and you see that here emphasized really with those flashbacks where it's not really even dialogue it's just the artwork carrying it of like the pictures of of his wife and um and his daughter Mm -hmm. just kind of powering him through and those memories you could see that while he like you said it he is very distant with kikuru he does love her at the end of the day and like in in the moments that in in these extreme moments like that is really what powers him it's like it's not just the defending his country it's protecting his his family which right now is just kikuro and that's what's powering him it's and it's a good way to work in like the typical shonen jump stuff of like family and friendship is the thing that powers every character yep and and we see that here of like with general shinomiya like one of the like hardest of people still has has that and like is able to access that kind of power of love and like love and friendship that that we see some such a theme in shonen jumps and what Uh, in the end of chapter 50 that flashback scene of I think is so important for Esau's character where you see he's obviously proud of Kikoro and her mm-hmm. desire to be part of the defense force. And I think it's so important, so important that, the, that Matsumoto in that flashback scene has the wife say, look, 
I'm going to train her. Um, I, I'm going to harden my heart to train her to instill her with the power to survive. You, which means you will have to take over with giving uh, Kikoro lots of love and attention. You got that, daddy? And I thought that was the most powerful moment, uh, um, honestly, of the series for me, because it makes it it makes Isa, it it totally transforms Esau's character, Kevin. Because before chapter fifty, I kind of viewed him as just your typical Clint Eastwood, older badass, heart of stone, not much emotion guy, right? And with this flashback scene, it's like, oh my gosh. So yeah, mom had to train Kikoro. So that, you know, when you train someone, Kevin, especially in it's if it's a something that involves fighting and surviving, you kind of have to remove the 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 tenderness, right? You, you have to be a taskmaster, essentially. Yeah. And so, but but you know, if one parent has to be the taskmaster, Kevin, I can tell you this with having two kids, if if one has to be the, the good cop, one has to be the bad cop, right? It's just it's just how it is when you raise kids. And the fact that it's Esau who got the job of being the, the tender, loving parent to nourish Kikoro, and he didn't. He completely failed at that. And obviously, the reason why he failed at it, Kevin, is because, you know, his wife died young while Kikoro was still young. And he just couldn't, he just, he couldn't bear the loss of his wife and still be the tender, loving dad to his daughter. He just couldn't, he just couldn't do it. And it makes Esau such a tragic character that you that gives him so much more depth than before and really makes you just makes your heart hurt for the character. Yeah. And again, it just kind of speaks to you how just this chapter does so well of like making you concerned for General Shinomiya at the same time. Because like, even though we see that these like memories are powering, powering him and allowing him to get it into a new power level, but at the same time, like, Matsumoto doesn't even get away from the big thing of this entire these two chapters of like his age and just like yep. like how how worn his body is from all the battles mm -hmm. and everything is really catching up to him, yep. and he is barely able to keep up with uh Kaiju oh, yeah. nine right here and it's like he gets demolished oh, yeah. like there's there's punches here where you're like oh man I don't not know if he's gonna survive yes. this battle like you are actually concerned for is this where we're gonna see the end of him or is it or something is even greater going to happen too that like he does need like Kafka and the others to come and save him really because right. like he alone can't do this and while we see at the end of chapter 50 that it does seem like he was able to overcome Kaiju number nine we already see that Kaiju number nine had the decoy body so yeah. we don't even know what other plans that Kaiju number nine had in store for General Shinomiya by going there because he are Kaiju number nine knew how strong General Shinomiya right. is there he like he could tell like throughout the fight that um oh yeah he, he went in there with a plan he didn't go in there right. with just like a, as a mindless kaiju he yeah he understands what he's going against and so like even with the, that last page of like his entire torso being torn torn by general mm -hmm. shinomiya's like epic punch you're like this isn't really the end there's gonna probably be more because you can't just oh, kill yeah. off like the main like the main villain thus far like this way no definitely not and i think it's also doing a classic shonen manga trope as well where we've got the older superman type character kevin where we need to kind of shelve him give him this heroic moment where he might he might not officially defeat kaiju number nine permanently but maybe an, uh, it's enough of a blow that it gets number nine to retreat and 
as a result of this, Esau has pushed himself so far that he really can't be, he can't fight anymore, right? And this clears the way of the old guard character moving to the side. So the next generation, and we already got, we even got this shot, Kevin, we got the big panel shot of the next generation with, you know, Kikoro and Kafka and Narumi and, uh, and Mina. It, it, it allows them to now step forward. They now have, they, they don't have daddy there to clean up their mess. The next generation now has to mature and step up and take over. It's going to be, again, very interesting to see what, uh, like, he has planned after this, because yep. we're reaching that point right now, like, next month, it looks like we're going to get to Chapter 52, which is always yeah. usually a big chapter, because that means that we've had a year's worth of of uh, yep. chapters for a series, and that's usually, like, when, when a manga mangaka, like, saves a big moment, and you kind of see that here with the Chapter 50, especially, like, you could tell that Matsumoto is building towards a big, big yeah. reveal, like, oh, yeah. for, or... For, for this entire series and it's going to be very very interesting to see how like the kaiju number nine because we don't really know much about kaiju number nine either I, and like what their no. end game is because it seems like we're finally going to start getting hints of that and we get that here with how like plotting is because we see that with the decoy body of like oh crap they they're not just going in like mindless kaijus that we've seen in so many other yes. franchises they actually have a plan going into all these fights yeah agreed agreed so. it i think something's big Something's big in store for us, though. I, I got I have one I have one criticism, Kevin. I kind of want to get your take mm-hmm. on this to see if 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 you feel the same or if you know where I'm coming from. I love that Matsumoto has assembled a, a nice cast of characters. And this mm-hmm. really is a good cast mm-hmm. of characters. Very interesting set of characters. I like it. And all the, the supporting cast for Kafka has gotten a lot of attention. Good character work, good action moments. I mean, really done a great job with the supporting cast. But as we head to the one-year anniversary, Kevin, I feel like Matsumoto has really neglected Kafka too much. He's still the main character, and I feel like as we wrap up the year, that Kafka's character really hasn't... We still don't know much about him. We still yeah. don't know much about his powers, and we really haven't seen him. We started to see some growth, but I feel like the main character needed a bit more of the spotlight over this first year of the manga title. Not, uh, yeah. Again, I like what we've done with the supporting cast. I just feel like maybe we didn't do enough with Kafka. And I also really don't like that we lost Kafka's best friend as well they've just totally yeah. sidelined um his best friend that i thought created was some of the best chemistry on the on this title in, in the beginning couple of story arcs mm-hmm. so i don't know that's my yeah. those are my only complaints they're small but those are my concerns i guess going forward yeah for the larger picture of kaiju number nine or kaiju number eight sorry um that I think we've talked about so many times in this podcast is that Matsumoto, where he excels at it, which is what why these two chapters were so awesome, is yeah. that in, is in the action, is in like showing yes. off the power, showing off yes. all the characters like fighting and everything against the kaijus and then sometimes against each other. Um, and that's where really his storytelling is like that at that next level. But it's where 
you see that he still needs to like get, do some work is in the slower moments when he has to actually just develop the characters outside of the action yeah. is where it hurts this series because especially for Kafka's character, I, I think you've mentioned that before, Kafka is really like a Peter Parker-esque yeah. um, character of like down on his luck. He doesn't have the, and um, doesn't really believe in, in himself too much, but like, but always finds that next level so that he, he can't save the day. But um but you're you're totally right that we need to do more uh, for Kafka's character to maintain like him as a main character yes. or at least as an interesting main character because he is starting to feel like like these recent chapters just feel one note of, yeah. like constantly like being I don't know if I have the power I can't yeah. like I should maybe like I don't want to use my kaiju number eight powers right. or like I or I don't have access to it it seems like he, Matsumoto is constantly having to de- power up and depower Kafka like throughout every story arc yep. and it, it's just like a weird momentum thing of how how much do you want to develop his character? Is he going to be developing just like him from the Kaiju number eight perspective or right. is his human side of like, and it seems like Matsumoto is even confused about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully like with these next few, cha- like these next few chapters that we get in December, and especially because we're going to reach that big chapter 52, hopefully so- there's some big developments there. And again, like you said, I-, I do hope that like we get more of his supporting cast with like Ren and, and, and and the others because right now it's really Kikuru that his his main supporting yeah. character that's st- still around. So hopefully, right. like we do see that the rest of like the defense force and like from like from um it's 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 uh it's Leno Ichikawa. That's his best friend, his best bud. Yeah. Like bring him back. That was really good chemistry. We need him back with with yeah. Kafka. You know what I mean? Because even right now, like how we're discussing it, is you forget about their name. Like now you're you do. We're getting to the point where you're forgetting about their names too, because you're like, oh yeah, he does have a best friend, but yeah, because we've gone so many chapters without them, and even the last time they appeared, they only appeared for like one or, one or two pa- pages. Right, that was it. And like when you have characters that disappear, especially when you're in a, ch- a series that really is very young still in, in its yes. life, yes. it's very easy to forget as we get introduced to more characters. You forget about the characters. For, that we haven't seen in 10, 15 chapters or, right. or only saw for like a brief period, you forget about their like names and you shouldn't here. Cause like they are the main cast that we've been building up for what about 30, 40 chapters before this, right. this story right. arc. And so it's unfortunate. And hopefully as we get to like December and going into the new year, like we see like kind of the supporting cast be brought back into play. Cause that, that is, you're totally right. That it is one of the strengths of the series is, is the people around Kafka and the friends that he's made. Agreed. Um, but yeah, overall, I think just for what these two chapters did, I think it, it did it well. And I think the other thing that I didn't mention was um, that I really did like of the that the kaijus that are around, like with kaiju number nine, that they could actually find the the kaiju weapons. Yeah, it's that, cool. That, like that, I was I thought that was a cool development that the, maybe the now the kaiju weapons are going to be a weakness for the defense force because that is allowing the uh, like kaiju number nine that's how he found the defense force headquarters yeah, is by yeah. detecting where kaiju number two the gauntlet was so i thought mm-hmm. that was a very cool little development that i think adds a danger level now because we know that mina has that sniper weapon as well and she and mm-hmm. other other people have like kaiju um weapons as well um made from their bodies so that's right like these things that were seen as a strength before now might actually be the biggest weakness for the defense force yes which i think is is a nice flipping of the script there with those weapons i, I like that uh, like I, i'll be very interested because it does seem like that was very purposeful like that like spotlighting that that fact so hopefully, oh yeah hopefully we see that and maybe like the defense force now will have to 
double think like these powerful weapons that they've been using so long for so long actually uh-huh. are going to become a detriment and are they going to have to change their ways for fighting these guys because look at what happened just to general shinomiya alone like that's right but now you're put, positioning like uh like Mina, for example, you're kind of putting her at risk that anytime she's alone, any kaiju could appear. That's like, right. And, and could support, like, for as strong as she is, huh? she's not going to be able to fight them alone. Cause, like, you no. see that at all times, the Defense Force has to fight these people together. Like, yeah. Even like the strongest person needs needs at least some sort of backup. And it's yeah. interesting to, to see how, how they deal with this style new kryptonite that the Defense Force has. Absolutely. No, it's, it, it's going to be fun. So. Um, is there anything else that you want to bring up for these chapters for uh, for Kaiju number nine? Uh, no, I'm good. We have too many Kaijus that, that I'm I know, saying. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to actual have actual names now, like Kafka. All right. So, what, what would you rate these uh, two chapters for Kaiju number eight? Hmm. I'm going to go the story. I will go eight night girls out of ten. This is very very good action. This this really is where. Uh, Matsumoto is in his happy space. So eight mm-hmm. night girls for the story. I'm going to go. I'm going real high. I'm going 10 beautiful night girls out of 10. Kevin, <laughs> I just thought the art was spectacular. When, when Matsumoto is doing action, Kevin, he just, mm-hmm. God, he just comes to life. And I swear, Kevin, his art is actually getting better. Yeah. Than this title first started, which is amazing. Yeah. I think uh, for me, a little bit lower, but it's still high of like eight night girls out of 10 for the story and nine night girls out of 10 for the art for eight and a half night girls out of 10 overall. So again, these were two really phenomenal chapters. There's things that like in the back burner that hopefully get improved on, but um, but these two chapters were, were excellent action heavy and what Kaiju number eight really does best. So yeah. Um, so let's move on to our next uh, series um, will be Sakamoto, Sakamoto Days, which uh, released four chapters this month, 46 through 49. Um, and with, with these four chapters, we start off with like a continuation of the fight between uh, Nagamo and Minimalist. And we just see that Minimalist is completely overwhelmed by Nagamo's uh, like speed and agility that he gets super frustrated, like fighting in the Sakamoto family store. And it gets to the point where he, he's not able to even land one blow on Nagamo and like Nagamo is actually able to just cut off his head and like, cause he, he gets bored of the fight already and just cut, <laughs> cuts minimalist heads clean off his body. And now with three out of the four assassins that came after the order done, the order, we see that all the order members are like looking at the information of the hit, hits that, that the four um, assassins were hired to do. Um, well, so while they, they, they're de- dealing with that and finding more information on that, we still see that Sakamoto has to deal with a part a- in, at the Tokyo Tower. And while during the fight, Sakamoto realizes that he's not able to access his skinny form. And he, he remembers that Granny Mia, like that punch that he did to him, must have blocked something <laughs> like his chi or something so that he can't access his skinny form. And we see that uh, Gran- Granny Mia actually say that she actually did that on purpose because she's tired of Sakamoto relying that he only can access his full power in his skinny form. And like, he's, he's like limiting himself to only accessing 30% of his power as, as the fat guy. So she wants him right. to accept being a fat guy <laughs> and, and, and so, and, and fight at hundred percent as, as the fat guy, the uh, Sakamoto. So, yes. and, and we see this back, back at Tokyo tower, Sakamoto quickly realizes that this is what Granny Mia wanted him to do. So he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not holding <laughs> back, so he, we see that he does not hold back, and this really does overwhelm a part who um, decides to, you know what, 
let me tell you my backstory so that way you understand why we're fighting and like we see that apart really since he was a kid because he was such an isolated kid he had a lot of dark thoughts and while he had the support of his dad he let the darkness within him um take consume him he ended up killing like an animal which mm-hmm. terrified his dad and his dad because he didn't want his son to be a, a monster but apart proved his dad wrong that you know what i am a monster and he uh kills kills his dad in the backstory so like a part explains this all to sakamoto sakamoto really is like i don't care we're, we're just fighting you're you're being a big threat so a part decides <laughs> to um to to destroy part of tokyo tower so that tokyo tower collapses and sakamoto quickly uses all his strength to keep tokyo tower from collapsing as, as it looks like a part is going to use this to um to his advantage and kill sakamoto who appears but the the grandpa of the order, which um, <laughs> with his with his large katana, um, uh, and uh, he just cuts clean off, clean a pillar off it, so that he, now like the Tokyo Tower is leaning over, um, and and that allows t- Tokyo Tower not to collapse, and give, giving Sakamoto the opening to fight freely against Apart. And quickly, um, we see that um, Apart is no match for Sakamoto, and Sakamoto easily defeats Apart um, after an extended fight, and. That that allows him to win the day, and just like as he's walking out with the unconscious apart from Tokyo Tower, he stamps the little kids, uh, like uh, what what is it? Uh, uh, things oh. to do, uh, yeah, things yeah, to do yeah, type yeah. thing at, at Tokyo Tower, like stamps that, and right. that's kind of where we end these chapters for Sakamoto Days. Um, so, Rock, what what did you think of these chapters for, um, for the series? Oh, fantastic! I continue to just absolutely adore Sakamoto Days. It's such a fun manga to read i kind of separate you know it's all one big story obviously but chapter 46 is kind of the conclusion of what we'd been getting before with the uh hitmen going after our supporting cast characters and chapters 47 through 49 is the main event between apart and sakamoto of course so it was uh, first uh, let's just do chapter 46 i enjoyed it i really like nagamo's character i think he's awesome i like his demeanor i like his look i like his style he's a funny character but he's also very cool i like how he just dispatches of the hitman with ease it's wonderfully done and at the same time, we still get good comedy, right? Because he's Nagamo's there. He's supposed to be taking care of the store for Sakamoto. And of course, during the fight, the store gets destroyed. And at the end of the fight, he's Nagamo's sitting there like, oh man, Sakamoto's going to be so mad at me. This store's a mess. It's like perfect, good comedy. And then chapters 47 to 49, that's the, that's right there, Kevin, is, is the main event fight. And it lives up to its billing. I thought it was a very good fight apart is a good villain for Sakamoto to go up against. Apart is, I think that Suzuki does a good job of giving us some backstory to uh, to Apart's character, so he's not just a one-note, shallow hitman, which I think the other three hitmen were a bit on the shallow side, at least to me. Not just, you know, I, I enjoyed them, but I thought they were kind of, they're kind of cannon fodder almost, you know, very, very one note. Yeah. And you no, know, the one thing I'm glad about with the parts backstory is that he doesn't try, try to humanize them at all. 
like yes. um that, right. that's important because i always feel like whenever you get these type of oh. characters you're tr- you when you ever you get into their backstory that was my big concern when he was like hey sakamoto let me tell you about my backstory yeah. so you can listen. like i thought it was like gonna be a moment where i'm so used to this type of thing of being oh we're gonna have to sympathize with this character and all yes. that stuff and i i'm glad that he didn't go with that route like subverting expectations because again like right. i said we We've seen this so many times with villains that you want to humanize your villain so yes. much. And like in the modern era, it's like, you know what? Uh, villains shouldn't, they're bad guys. Like, right. You don't need, every. not everyone has to have a tragic backstory where you feel for them. And yeah. That, that's what you, you get with, a, that's where you get with a part. You don't feel for the kid. Like, no. obviously with the isolation part where he's oh. getting bu- bullied and stuff like that, you could kind of see, hey, you know what? That's understand sucks. that but right when, when you get to the part where he kills an animal and then he kills his dad, you're like, right. Okay, yeah, you are you're a psychopath you're a psychopath yeah. yeah literally and so it's like yeah you you're like okay yeah you're i don't feel for you whatsoever no like, and and you need villains like that sometimes you just want a villain to hate and this is like what? and and that's kind of just going all to all all four of these assassins that we have like they're not villains like that have tragic backstories or that no. we, we have to sympathize with um and i'm glad that, that he saved the backstory for a part because then you could translate that to the other three as well because you're like that's right you know what all three of them are terrible they're, they're about the same like they probably all have kind of similar backstories and yep. um they are all just monsters really like these are monstrous people that need to be dealt with and yes. like and so you see that like you don't have to have sympathy for these guys and I- i'm glad that um we didn't go down that route of having to sympathize with like a villain and that allows the action to be even better because like it, again it still allows sakamoto to be the hero of the yes. day and like you understand like what he has to do and um, and I'm glad that with Sakamoto that this was a big learning experience for him of like he can't rely on being skinny all the time like basically that's going right. super saiyan like that's, that's like yeah now, now you're you're getting into the thing of that it was actually a mental block for him because he's mm-hmm. like he also doesn't accept being a fat guy yes <laughs> and, <laughs> and so like he he basically just limited himself to 30 percent right. of his full power and I'm glad that this entire story was kind of about that of like because we were, were probably both expecting him to access skinny form and then just demolish the right. part. And I'm glad that this story arc kind of addresses that. It's not that he needs the skinny form to access his full power, is that he has a mental block that he feels like his skinny form is his ultimate form. Right. And he doesn't accept being a fat guy. Yep. Um, so I'm glad that we're kind of getting a little bit of a more development for our yes. main character now, like moving forward that, Hey, you know what? He, he is a fat guy. He should accept it. He's, he's happy. <laughs> he's happy when he's with his family. He should also be happy yeah. as an assassin when he's, when he's the badass assassin fighting that, this way. And like and right. being granny Mia, that, that, that actually exposes this fact that he has been limiting himself was like, I thought a great moment in this entire thing and made all the action even better than what we've seen in a past, past story arcs. Oh, I totally agree. I, I mean, I guess going back what, to what you're saying about a part, what what made him such a good villain, I, I go back to this, and, and you're right, modern day writers seem to struggle with this when they want to make us sympathize with every villain. There's some there's a difference between explaining why your villain does what they do and excusing why your villain does what they do. And I think too often this day and age, writers want to excuse why the villain does what they do. And that is to create sympathy in the reader. Yeah. Whereas all Suzuki does is explain mm-hmm. why a part is who he is, mm-hmm. but there's no excusing it. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to get you to be sympathetic. And that's what makes him a great villain and a villain that is easy to root against and a great 
main event opponent for our protagonist, yeah. Sakamoto. So really, again, and we've seen this, Kevin, from the beginning, one of Suzuki's strengths, I think, from the start, where he's had to grow in terms of his art and in terms of you know choreographing some fight scenes or whatever. But I think what he's done really well with is from the beginning, he's always employed, I think, good fight psychology, and he's done a great job in evolving his characters during fight scenes, whether mm-hmm. it's leveling up, or tapping into a new power or having some type of personal realization, character growth moment. He's good at doing that. And we get it here with Sakamoto. And I'm with you. I like that he's forced into using his fat form, as it's called, to fight in this in these three chapters. I think this is important because, like you said, you got the main character's got to keep growing in a shonen manga, right? They can just mm-hmm. get got to keep growing is how it is and i think this will it's letting him now we've been told which is interesting kevin because we've seen how powerful he is before this fight with a part yeah. we thought he's pretty powerful but kevin we've only ever seen 30 percent of his power mm-hmm. holy cow are you kidding yeah. me so now we know we've got lots of room for growth mm-hmm. and i'm guessing i could be wrong we'll see i'm guessing that the skinny form kind of becomes the oh shit break glass in case of emergency you know what i mean yeah which which i'm good with because i i don't think you need to i think some like we talk about with dragon ball uh super sometimes you know accessing all these you know super forms within Mm -hmm. an instant and doing you know hitting five different forms in 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 the span of one chapter it's a bit too much yeah (laughs) and too much yeah, and I think it's also important because it seems like they want to get away from the, the skinny form eventually as well. Yeah. That like the skinny form isn't the ultimate form, it's really his fat guy form. Uh-huh. It's just and it's just going into like how Sakamoto has his own mental blocks that he's purposely weakened himself. Yes. And like and he feels like by being fat, it gives him an excuse to not be go full Did out that, and not, yes. not have to do this thing. But and and I'm glad that there it's being addressed here that it actually isn't that he's fat that it, like keeps him from being his full power it's just right something inside of him he's uh, just like i don't want to yeah. be this because and it kind of get, getting into that maybe he does want just a regular family life and that's kind of why he gave up being right. an assassin in the first place is that he wants to just be like run his shop with his family right. raise his daughter that he's super protective of and just live a normal life and that, that's kind of another reason why he took on this like fat form is because if yep. he was skinny still he would feel like the need to constantly be out in the world as an assassin using his skills to yep. to uh like kill the, these bad people but as a fat guy he could be lazy and that's really who he really is he <laughs> wants to just be a lazy dude and that's kind of and and yeah. that's really uh like his real personality is his fat guy form and i'm glad that yeah. we're fi- realizing that like because we see this so many times where that skinny form or that other form that the character has is the real yes. character I'm glad, in, uh, yes. and this, I'm glad in this series you're kind of realizing that no it's actually his fat guy like him being there a fat guy it's who he really is he really just wants to be a lazy yes. dude with his family and i think that's important because and I th- you nailed it exactly it's important it is suzuki letting us know which is because up until now kevin have i mean come on you've been wondering along with me which is the real sakamoto which is the real form is is he putting on you know is the is the fat form his costume right where he's cosplaying being a regular person and the skinny form is the real him or the other way. We, now we know, we, now we know that the skinny form is actually the costume and that 
the Sakamoto we get is who he is. The fat form is, is who he truly is, which I like because it continues the theme of him being kind of the, he's, he's, he's the unwilling hero. You know, he's going to protect his family, of course, but as far as going on missions and anything bigger than just protecting his store and his family, that's not really his thing. He's, he is the reluctant hero. And I think Sakamoto embracing being the reluctant hero is a nice character evolution for him. And I think it also is important too, without even like actually being upfront with it, is that it kind of also setting up a bigger story eventually of like, how did Sakamoto end up this this way too? Of like, how did he end up in this spy world, which we always kind of get with the main characters, like especially ones that we haven't seen from the very beginning of their, like as Mm -hmm. a child, like you you do feel like Suzuki is kind of setting up, like why did he enter the assassin world? Like, and like, was he forced into it? Was it something that he just felt he had to do because he had nothing else to do? (laughs) <laughs> but and it's a, like it's a nice way of like building up like a tease for like exploring his backstory a little yes. bit more without being like hey we're going to do this like right in your face type thing of um for for the main character that eventually will get that story probably and yeah. this is like a nice way to build that up of like okay what what is who is he really why is he mm-hmm. why did he enter this life and all that stuff too and i also i'm glad that we uh throughout this as well that we see the order just being complete badasses as well oh, that gosh. like you think that oh. Sakamoto is a badass? Like you see, like at the beginning with chapter 46, you see Nagamo just completely demolish Minimalist. Like yeah. he's like just a toy basically. And, when, God, once he's done, and once he's done playing with his toy, like he just chops his head off. Yes. And, and then you also see what uh, the grandpa of, of the order, uh, whose name is Takamura. Um, oh, he's the just completely best. Sli- like sli- slice part, like slice part of Tokyo <laughs> Tower, and just like so that it leans. What? Now it's now now Tokyo Tower is leaning <laughs> leaning to one side, of, like uh, like the Leaning Tower in Italy or whatever. I like and, that after he slices the base with his katana, he puts it back in the uh, the the sheath and then uses it like it's a cane. Yeah, it reminds me of Yoda from the prequels. He's like does something amazingly bad. <laughs> And you can tell too that he was like, and you can also tell that he was like, I could go help Sakamoto, but you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna let him do do his thing and then just go back to my car. And it's his character, Kevin. And it's such a good subtle way of like building up this badass character. And like I say, with with all the other characters in the order that we've seen in the previous chapters too, of like, you see how efficiently and like almost effortlessly they they defeat these assassins that are extremely dangerous. And like we've seen them do some dangerous things, like apart isn't the only one like no. each of them were a very highly dangerous killing machines and yeah. to see the order just completely demolish them with like almost no effort was like they're like damn these guys are badasses but then it also builds up the bigger bad of the series of the mr x yeah. that's we right see that like we we still know that he's out there somewhere and he's extremely dangerous that even the order's um fearful of him that so it's like mm-hmm. i like that we're building up all these characters that it's not just Sakamoto that's the strongest character of them oh, all. Oh, no, I think that Suzuki very wisely, again, pro wrestling psychology here, very wisely used these hitmen to build up the Order members mm-hmm. to the point, Kevin, where I put all the members of the Order right up there with Sakamoto. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Kevin, even more powerful. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, but but Suzuki yeah. gets, put this way, before this story arc with the hitmen, Kevin, I think you. I for sure thought that Sakamoto, he's tops of the charts and he, everyone else is way below him in power level and the order. Yeah. Okay. They're probably better than your average hitman, but they're still that average assassin, but they're still pretty low level. Well, and, 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 Not anymore. 
and that's also and that also goes back into uh like where why not like nagamo comes to find sakamoto you're like oh right. they, they need sakamoto to defeat this yes. mysterious mr x because you're like oh they're not as strong as sakamoto not they as strong need that, they need a skinny sakamoto to to help but it's not the, the nope. case they're just like hey you know what someone's coming after you we just wanted to warn you and you feel like oh it was just actually a warning that nagamo, nagamo was at probably because he is so good friends, and you see that at, at, at like in his when after he finishes minimalist, he's like, "Ah, crap! Sakamoto is going to be angry with me because I destroyed his shop." And it's just like going into like they're actually just friends, and he was just right. giving him a friendly warning. Yeah, um, and so I, I like that they're built, like you said, building up the order to be all big time on Sakamoto's level, or maybe even oh, yeah. because now Sakamoto has this limitation, right? Built into this character that he's not at like maybe now like he's below below them because they're they go all out no matter what. Yeah. Absolutely agree. I think I think Sakamoto at this point may actually be a, below the order at at this point in the story. Yeah. So which, which is cool, and he's still strong, and like, and he's still a powerful character. You're oh, right. they're just so totally. much, <laughs> so much stronger. And you yeah. see that also with how he deals with a part that, like, there's part of Sakamoto that still messes around during fights. That yes. We, and so it's like he's like, even though like he's starting to access more of his power, mm-hmm. he still like. He wants to be silly and yes. lazy about about things, and yes. that, that leaves him open to like even a part is able to sort of yeah. keep up with him for for like a good portion of the fight. And right. So that, that's something that at least are like just setting up more of our main character. He needs to get over being just a lazy guy. Agreed. Absolutely agree. So, but again, it's it's all just fun, and I, I like also like the introduction of Granny Mia as being like a bigger part of this, and like yep. just being the 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 one that just propels the story forward with just a quick one page scene of like. And the character's so great too. I just love. Oh yeah, her just being like deadpan of like I did it on purpose because I know he needs this, even though he might die. I don't care. He needs right. to realize that being being a fat guy is not a not a problem. That's right. And, and I'm yeah. so I'm so happy about that. Of like, <laughs> it's a it's a great effective way of building up a character in it such is. a short period. I totally agree. So, um, but overall, like, is there anything else that stood out to you in these chapters for? for uh, no, for I'm good. Days? Yeah. I think the only other thing is just the artwork. I, I think will be the last thing that, like, continuously getting better at, like, as it, it goes is. along. I think so. It is, and and you can it see is. that Suzuki is getting more comfortable with drawing action, just drawing the characters yes. in general, and like, I think he, again, it's just the evolution of it uh, compared to like all the other mangas that we read. I think mm-hmm. Sakamoto Days is the the series that I've seen the most evolution for in the artwork. Definitely, and, and um. Definitely. I'm just getting more comfortable. And you, and you see that like with the action is it feels like Kaiju number nine level action mm-hmm. um, as well. It does. It does. It's re- I've been very impressed at how much it's obvious how much work Suzuki has been putting into his artwork. And I, I, I respect that and appreciate mm-hmm. that as, as a consumer and fan. Yeah. I love when I see a mangaka who really is you can tell is pouring so much effort into their craft and trying to get better because I've been reading this from the beginning and I didn't decide to keep reading Sakamoto days after the first couple of chapters, Kevin, because of the artwork. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. that great. Yeah. And, and you can also <laughs> tell that like he's challenged himself as the artist. Cause I think one oh, of the things that like artists will tell you too, is like drawing backgrounds and stuff like that is annoying yes. sometimes. Yes. And you could tell like here, like by setting things up, like setting the fight with a part in in Tokyo Tower, that means he had to draw all these pillars, all these metal metal beams and stuff like that. That were right. like it does take a lot of work to get all this oh, stuff because yeah. he still wants to make sure that it feels like they're at Tokyo Tower, and so that mm-hmm. means like more work into the artwork. And I'm glad that Suzuki is challenging himself to 
to improve as an artist because again it, it's like a subtle thing that maybe like most people won't see but i'm i appreciate just that as an artist that he is challenging himself to do more than just like simple like hallway action scenes it's not that's not what we get here we get actually a complicated one because like they go from fighting inside to going outside in on the beans and fighting on top of that so it's like you got to draw much more of that and make sure the characters are still in the forefront and the action is still like um dy- dynamic enough and you see that with like um when Ta- what is it um takamura when he slices the, the yeah. tower and you're like that's such yeah. a badass scene but what makes it more badass too is that you see how like big the structure is in comparison to takamura you're like damn he yep. he, he did that thing yep yep so. absolutely agree i you i appreciate that suzuki's really is pushing himself and the back the background art you're right it is honestly this is some of the best that we've gotten in the whole series because more often than not kevin in the first couple of story arcs there just wasn't much in the background yeah ever yeah and that, and that's not that's a normal thing for mo i think most not just manga but con yep. you see that in conflicts that you could be like the background you don't need to put as much detail because the focus is on whatever the, the whatever the main characters are doing and usually like the background unless you have like a big splash page to detail stuff right you don't need to put as much because again you don't like that's not what people are paying attention to but oh. but I, I appreciate that he at least did place more attention on, to detail here just so to make the action even more dynamic than normally Absolutely. is and it just enhances mm-hmm. what how much he's progressing as an artist too because we're probably not going to get this much detail in the background in future chapters but oh probably won't <laughs> but, at, but at, at the very least we know that when when we do get the big action set set pieces that he is yeah. going to put that attention to detail which again i appreciate especially doing this on a weekly basis um absolutely absolutely agree totally so, um all right uh, awesome well, what would you rate the sakamoto days uh november chapters rock I'm going to go with the story eight night girls out of 10. I'll give the art seven night girls out of 10. I do like it and it is good. It is, I I guess maybe it's the consistency is not still always there for Mm -hmm. me within each chapter and even going chapter to chapter. So seven night girls out of 10, but they're definitely trending upward. Yeah. And overall uh, seven and a half night girls out of 10. Yeah. And I think I'm right there with you. I, I see the Sakamoto days as one of those series that is just constantly improving and just getting Agreed. better and better. Um, and I'm right there with you with the eight, uh, seven and a half night girls out of 10 overall um, for this series. So uh, I'm really looking forward to what, what they do next here and whatever story uh, Suzuki has planned. So um, let's get into like our big main event for, for this uh, oh, boy. Um, episode is going to be My Hero Academia yeah. that released chapters 332 and to 335 and i don't know about you rock but this feels like the biggest chapters that we've ever gotten in my hero academia yes. from, from just the storage perspective to the art artwork and everything it just feels like the biggest thing that we've had and 100 i wanted to preface that before i get into the summary so um basically we start off with starter and stripe um uh, finishing her final attack by just like causing a huge explosion and as, as she thinks, and this explosion actually is seen from the shores, like Endeavor, Hawks, and Best Genius is able to see this from the shores of, of Tokyo. Yep. Um, so we see, like, it's a super large explosion, but somehow um, um, Shigaraki actually survives this, and that, that is due to him, like, in the very last second, he uses his decay powers to make a tunnel to lessen the impact, and even though he lessened the impact, his entire body is completely completely burnt <laughs> off like you could like he it almost looks like he only has one eye like that he could open and he just yeah it's a very monstrous form and he he like lunges at, straight at 
um, and Star and Stripe, and knowing that she pro- most likely created a command to, so that his decay power does not work on him, on her, um, instead of using her de- his decay power when he grabs her face, he actually steals the um, New Order uh, um, quirk from her, and that, that allows him to use the decay afterwards on the quirkless Star and Stripe to, like, completely, like, basically start killing her, and, like, as her body is is going away. Um, we see within the all for one uh, vestige world that Star and Stripe actually the reason why she didn't protect herself from from getting her quirk stolen is that she knew that if if her final attack didn't work, that she would need to do a, something even uh, more desperate, which is to create an order that if her new order um, quirk was was stolen, that as soon as um, Shigaraki and all for one tried to activate it, it would instantly rebel in the vestige world and we see that as like an all as a star a monster star and stripe within the vestige world for all for one uh forms and he it just starts destroying quirk after quirk after quirk um we don't know how many quirks um this uh the new order destroys but we see that um all for one completely takes over shigaraki's body in desperation and says like i gotta abandon this i gotta get new order to somebody else um he finds another criminal makes him quirkless, steals his quirk, and tries to put the New Order uh, quirk within that guy. But as soon as he does that, um, start the, the spirit of Star and Stripe reveals that actually she put it in, into case that um, as soon as she got in, like was destroying the quirks, it would actually burn out the New Order quirk so that as soon as he tried to transfer it, um, the New Order would com- is completely gone anyway, so he can't transfer any power. There's no more power... To- or new order so the new order uh quirk is completely gone from the world um and so we have like shiraki basically uh, uh just quirkless like not quirkless but he has only a few remaining quirks as all for one now right um and and he's also still heavily damaged um and so basically uh, all for one decides to have shiraki retreat and as that happens the u.s military um, lands in japan to inform the Japanese people and like other countries of what happened to Star and Stripe to inform them of her death. And as other countries learn about uh, Star and Stripe's death, they, the heroes from these other countries decide, you know what, we cannot put the make that same risk that Star and Stripe did. So we're going to stay in our own countries, defend our borders. Um, so that basically leaves Japan by itself so that they don't have any allies outside of the heroes that already exist there. And I'm sorry. Um, and so with that, uh, Toshinori goes to Class 1A, tells them the news about Star and Stripe, tells them that we're, um, Star and Stripe did give them an extra week at the very least to, to train and um, so that for Shigaraki to heal because he's going to be healing during that time. So they have at least a week to train. Um, and Toshinori explains to them about all the threats that, that are around with like Shigaraki, Alpha One, Dabi, Toga, like their six high end Nomus. And most likely, All for One is also looking to recruit more people, more villains from around the world. So they have a lot to worry about. Class 1A, with, with Bakugo leading the charge, saying, hey, you know what? While you were with, um, with Deku, we've actually been training this entire time. We weren't just looking for Deku as well. So we actually are a lot stronger than you even realize. And Toshinori sees that fire in everybody's eyes and is confident Class 1A has actually gotten stronger, is going to be able to be the hero, the pro heroes that that they need to be to help with against the League of Villains. 
Um, but as class 1A is confident in their abilities, we see that all for one, he tells Dobby basically, you know what, I plan for this and brings up that he has his own people within UA High School to still give him information. And this is where we kind of see a silhouette of, oh, sorry, of Toru Hagakure, um, who is Invisible Girl inside. And we see that uh, she may be the traitor, which kind of clued into not the Viz translation of it, because the Viz, Viz looks like they deleted it. But in Japanese, there was a tagline at the end of the of chapter 335 that says, a shocking gut, uh, punch to the gut, the traitor is actually, and then dot, dot, dot. So we have that as kind of teasing that Invisible Girl might be that traitor. So Rock, what did you think of these chapters? I thought these chapters were fantastic. I went nuts for this. The chapters 332 through 334 ending the big battle between Shigaraki and Star and Stripe was awesome. This was a titanic clash of heavyweights and I really love how Horikoshi resolved this clash of the titans. I think that Star and Stripe got a badass heroic send-off mm -hmm. you know i know some people may not be thrilled that she got killed off in her <laughs> first appearance yeah. but um but i i was perfectly fine with it because her her death was appropriately heroic and it dealt a serious blow to um Shigaraki and all for one's plans because let's be honest he was getting incredibly OP Kevin mm -hmm. like to the point where it was like what are we what are you going to do to defeat this character you've built this villain up cartoonishly overpowered I don't know how you're going to get yourself out of this without using some kind of deuce ex machina like what the miracle machine is going to yeah. appear and you're going to use that, or the ultimate nullifier is going to appear, and you're going yeah, to use like that. You, you, you know need, what I mean? You, you need some sort of kryptonite. You like your crypt, like a kryptonite just gets invented, and in. I think yeah, exactly. you, you, I think you're you hit it right the nail on the head of like that. Like so many times we see a Deus Ex Machina appear, and yep. that's not what Star and Stripe is. She's actually, I feel like, oh. the most impactful character outside of maybe even yeah. more so than All Might to the story of like this is um, because she is able to do something that even All Might wasn't able to do, which is right. depower all for one. And yep. like while all for all might was able to like cripple uh all for one, he never actually like like fully defeated him or like took quirks away or anything like that. Right. right. And Star and Stripe was actually able to accomplish that where even though she knew that she wasn't gonna beat uh Shigaraki and which all for one is controlling him, um, she is able to do something even greater, which is depower the guy so that way like it gives the heroes all a better opportunity to actually defeat all for one now because you, like you said, Shigaraki and All for One were getting to the point of like who really could stand a chance against them? Because we already saw that all, all Might, the only thing that All Might was able to do was really cripple All for One and like basically like tear his face off or whatever. But that's right. really all he really accomplished. But and so even Star and Stripe accomplished something that her hero didn't accomplish, and which is, makes her death so much more meaningful, I think. And yep. while, like you said, it sucks that that her death happened in her introduction, but I think this is really just showing you how you not only build up a character, but you make her character so much greater than her introduction. Right. Um, and like by the end of it, even though I'm sad that she's gone, 
I love what she did because she was able to accomplish something that no other character yes. did, has, and it yes. actually gives hope to the, the series now for for Deku and the others to actually win the day. And you could find it in a believable way where it's not like Star and Stripe was not a do sex mocking character. She was a fully no. formed character no. by by the end. Like when you see her, oh. yeah, like she's a fully formed character. She's not like some sort of Agreed. thing that was introduced just to weaken the, the villain. She was no. a character you fully believed in by the yeah. end, and you understood like when she did the New Order command that. You're like, she isn't just like a reckless hero. She's actually incredibly right. intelligent. She used her intelligence to be like, you know what? I am going to I'm going to protect myself against the K power. I'm going to give myself super strength and endurance. And then my last command will be just in case all these other two commands don't work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a, a backup plan of like, if my quirk is stolen, like I'm going to make sure that my quirk isn't used against the world. And so it's like, you see that, like she was like the entire time she fought Shigaraki, she had a plan in place, like she not only like to fight him to hopefully defeat him with her uh, like full power, but she also just in case she lost, she had something something in in her uh, in her bag of tricks to actually be like, you know what? He's not going to use me against against the other heroes or the world. Yep, totally, completely agree. Star and Stripe is a well developed character. I love that Horikoshi, even though she, like I said, she does die in her in her appearance and but she's not even close to being what the ultimate nullifier and the miracle machine are no. the, the dreaded deuce ex machina at all i love that horikoshi took the time kevin to build her mm-hmm. character up during the fight scene we got he utilized good flashback scenes he utilized good scenes in between her and her teammates in the fighter pilots all those designed to give her character a a real unique personality to give her plenty of character depth to give her motivation and uh and a reason for being to give this fight real stakes mm-hmm. and to show that she is an intelligent military strategist remember she's yeah. the leader of an all elite yeah. strike force okay people don't usually get to lead all elite strike forces unless they're good military tacticians which she is, and Horikoshi d- demonstrated that this is a brilliant attack that paid off. She sacrificed herself, and it paid off by dealing a crippling blow to Shigaraki. Mm-hmm. No, no, t- if ands or buts about it. He went from being unstoppable to being now. It's going to be a fight, no doubt, Kevin. But now it's a fight that our heroes can take. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, it, and it's a good thing that they don't talk about how many quirks are like New Order was able to destroy before, beforehand, just because that that gives more room for like just growing Shigaraki's character yes. as well as like yes. now like limiting his power for at least the time being, giving our yep. heroes time to grow. And I think the other important thing was to that because I think you got into it a little bit of in the, our last review of the previous chapters is I'm glad that Horikoshi kind of while he does do a lot of stereotyping for like. The United States and other countries and yeah, stuff like that. I'm yeah. glad that he he did that more for like what the Japanese feel is the fun, a fun comedy of like how how they how they view other countries. Yes, I'm glad that these chapters like got away from that. Of like, mm-hmm. it's not like this is like while yes, the extremeness of how much force uh, Star and Stripe uses <laughs> is like excessive, but yes, like in, in these chapters, you see that it was necessary. Like, right. I think he Absolutely. goes from like it being comedic of how like excessive the force is to be right. <laughs> a necessary use of force because of how 
powerful Shigaraki and all for ones yeah. were. And like, it, again, it just goes back to building up all for one and Shigaraki as the end game bosses of yep. that, that the series needs and, and mm-hmm. is built around of like, this is kind of giving you an idea of how much Deku and the others will need to do to defeat them. Because like, look at what yes. Shigaraki and, all for one were able to withstand if they they could withstand almost like basically an atomic bomb being being dropped on them for, <laughs> for the most part and they survived that it, and even though like star and stripe weakened them like we at least have an idea of like how much training and how much force is going to be needed at the end of the day and i i like that there was also the addition of that we see um shigaraki's like before he became tomorrow shigaraki that person that like that was uh nana's um grandson like we see a hint that he's still inside of tomorrow shigaraki like where you saw like where like all the hands covering his body yeah it wasn't yeah. shigaraki that in that scene it was like him before becoming shigaraki and i'm glad that like they're yes. addressing that because like that you see that line of like where he's like another hero is going to rise and that uh, nana's uh, like his form before he became shigaraki says he's Doria, which again yeah. goes back to the story of like Maybe Deku, the way that he's going to save the day is, is not by defeating um, Shigaraki like physically, but it's going to be spiritual, another spiritual battle of like, he needs to tap into the human side of Shigaraki and actually That's save cool. that human person. Because right now he's just a monster. And there, there's that and there's that thing of like, and you see that at, at the very end in chapter 335, of he's just like, he's still that monster that's like mm-hmm. whining and crying that is uncontrollable. Yep. And but there is still that other person inside of him that he is just completely bearing with all the hands and all that stuff. So I'm glad that there's that like other build that like you could tell that Horikoshi is building these stories so that it is another hero's journey, but it's not just like the hero has to punch harder. It's not going to be that type of story. It has to be, it's going to be more than that. So, and I'm glad that there's like these little hints that we're seeing that it's not about punching harder. It's going to be a deeper, deeper than that. That's right, which is absolutely fantastic. I love that. We're getting a little bit more depth than just, you know, who can punch the hardest. That's fantastic. I, what I also like, Kevin, while we while Horikoshi took our villain down a few pegs in the power level to make this fight a little more, more even, he also took something away from our heroes, too, with all the foreign countries deciding, eh-eh, we're keeping our heroes local. So now our heroes in Japan are truly on their own. So both sides took... Yeah. Now, Shigaragi took the bigger hit in power, obviously, but both sides lost a, a little bit of power. Yeah. And, and into the final conflict. And it's going to still be interesting to see how Horikoshi works in the other countries in the story, because yeah. even like at the in chapter 335, it's emphasized that the League of Villains, specifically All for One, has people in other countries that he could mm-hmm. utilize. Yep. So it yep. does seem like Horikoshi is still going to, we're going to see the other world powers. Yes. Or at least like one, like Egypt or like the United States or other right. countries still factor into the story. And it's going to be interesting to see how they react to when they find out that all for one is actually everywhere. It's not, he's not just in Japan. And is that going to have to unite them again? Cause they, they exactly. cause it does seem like Horikoshi is building up that they're, they're, this is still a global conflict. It's not just going to be in Japan right now. Like, Correct. well, that's where our focus is going to be. Cause that's where our main cast is going to be. Mm-hmm. There's still, there's still a greater global conflict because of all for one's, like planning and everything that that he has going on yeah so it's gonna be very interesting to see how like he pushes not just the japanese heroes but all the other heroes in the world to actually fight him agreed no look uh look chapter 334 ends the the story arc with star and stripe boom satisfied ending chapter 335 which is the last chapter that we got this month 
this is the boop kind of like catch your breath mm. hit the pause button let's assemble everybody let's get all the chess pieces in place and hit the ground running for the next story arc because that's what chapter 335 does and does really well mm -hmm. kevin i like that horikoshi puts a i mean really puts a spotlight on okay bad guys who do they have well we got we got all for one right we got shigaraki don't forget we got Dobby. We've got Himiko. We've got the six remaining high ends, right? We got the remnants of the Liberation Front. And then we got the people across the globe who serve, you know, all for one. I like that Horkoshi puts a spotlight on don't don't forget, guys, because it's been we've yeah. big cast characters, Kevin. And we've been through a lot. I like that he takes the moment to say, okay, guys, let's let's hit the pause button review. Yeah. Who's on the good guy side? Who's on the bad guy side? Yeah. And, now, and, 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 and here's the scale of the conflict. And that the conflict is not going to just be sugar, like taking down Shigaraki. There's like right. so many other conflicts. Like you said, each of the, like even though Shigaraki and All for One are the end game boss, bosses, right. there's still these other, other people, like maybe right below them that are just as powerful. And even maybe sometimes like in Dobby's case, much more emotionally meaningful to like yes. character, characters that, um, that we re that this uh, series has a long way to go to deal with still, and like I think this is a strong way of like just an example of how you want to start ending the your year, of and going into a new year of like you're just building more and more momentum for for it. And I think the last really these last two years for of my hero academia has done an excellent job of like going yep. into the new year of like as strong as possible with like the most impactful chapters. Like it does seem like this is what horikoshi was building okay. the entire year around and like Absolutely. we're getting this epic moment and you feel that within these four chapters of like this is what the entire 2021 of my hero academia has been building towards and it's it's yeah. awesome to see like how much of a payoff that horikoshi has had in mind the entire year oh yeah and, and i like also that the reason why i appreciate horikoshi telling us all the other villains that we have to deal with outside of of all for one and shigaraki is that it's going to give all of our big supporting cast characters, Kevin, something to do, mm -hmm. right? They got to have their own mountains to climb, don't they? Yeah. So it's 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 multi-level storytelling, which is what Horikoshi has been brilliant about anyway during this entire manga. So yeah. as a Legion Superheroes fan, I appreciate multi-level storytelling mm -hmm. because you got to have, everyone's got to have their own mountain to climb. Yeah. And then you got that here. And then while I, I still don't like how much, how little of a time jump that we had, I'm glad that like yeah. Bakugo and the rest of class 1A like told Toshinori like straight up, hey, you know what? Yes. We didn't spend our entire time looking for Deku. <laughs> like, you think that we're, we're that crazy? No, we were training the entire time that Deku and you weren't around. Yes. And we've actually been improving our powers because we knew we needed to get better. Yep. Um, and it's Love not it. just about, oh, like we got to go find our friend. That's not what what our story is about. It's our story is becoming pro heroes and becoming the yes. best pro heroes possible. So I'm glad that like Bakugo and the others were like standing up to yep. you, even all for all my like kind of not seeing them like they're he's still their students and that they're, they're not they don't have any experience. And he gets right. his eyes opened up to be like, oh, no, these class one A has experienced not only so much, but they are ready for that. Next, it, take that next step. And this is a class of heroes, not a class of sidekicks. Yeah. Kevin. They're not, but they're not just side. And I think sometimes all might maybe be pegging some of them as sidekicks to, yeah. to Midoriya, right? When this is kind of like Horikoshi said, uh-uh, class yeah. 1A, this is all, these are all heroes. These are all their own main characters. 
Yeah, and, and that's fantastic. Yeah, and it goes back to kind of like how you like to reference Legion of Superheroes so much that each character is their own hero. It's not like yes. oh, there's not just one main character. Right. Everybody, everybody is a main character. That's you could right. easily make Bakugo or sure. Chaco or anybody yep. a main character, and they're going to be yep. just as interesting as as Deku, or maybe even more so because like yep. he's built up such a great cast of characters that you do believe that they're all heroes or are going to become heroes at the end of the day. Yep, which Agreed. which also builds into like the big story of oh. like that we've all forgotten about like not yeah. forgotten about but we like i think you and i have talked about it a little bit but like at least horikoshi has made us forget in terms of things of like there's a, still a traitor here like there's we, still a traitor was, kevin it was like way back at the beginning of the series that uh, there was like yes. supposedly some sort of traitor but then like the teachers were like you know what we've spent so much time with the students all the students look like they're just regular people they're not traitors so like it molded us into a sense of security of like no there's actually no traitor but then now we see that it, not only is there a traitor, but it's the okay. traitor that the person that you probably did not want whatsoever to be that traitor, which is Invisible Girl, who could get anywhere and find any information. And so yep. I, I'm glad. Be, I'm glad about that that she may be the traitor, and I hope kind of now that she is because she's also the most underdeveloped character of the class one yes. A, I would say, and the oh, one and that re, re, the only character that really you've seen that like anytime you see her, it's only her cheerful right. side of things and all that stuff. So. She's like the one character that you didn't expect really, or just not just not just expect, but you forget about all the time. Yes. Because of her power, she's invisible all the time. So you right. it's easy to for Horikoshi not to draw her in a That's scene right. or anything like that. Cause then you could excuse it that, oh, she's just using her powers, right? And right. so it's like all these little things of like that Horikoshi adds, and it's like adding more depth to the character without even saying yes. anything so far. Yes. And you're and it makes me excited for what he's gonna review. And if it is invisible girl or if it's someone else. It, um, it's going to be very interesting to see who the traitor is now. Oh, Kevin, I when I we got to this final page of chapter three, three, five, I flipped out. I was like, "Ooh!" First of all, I am a sucker for a good traitor from within storyline. Love them, love them, Kevin. This goes back to the Wolfman Perez Teen Titans. Remember when yeah, Tara revealed <laughs> as the traitor from within, working with Deathstroke? Like, I just love a trader from within story i sucker for it so this got me super excited and i love the choice if it is in fact invisible girl like it appears to be if it is in fact her i love the selection of her thematically it works because she's an invisible person you never see her how much do you really know about this person the 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 just thematically the invisible person being the one who's the traitor yeah. It, it works thematically, right? Like you, you don't know, you don't see her, you don't know her. It works off just like yeah. on a subconscious level, Kevin, you don't trust things you can't see yeah. as a human, right? You fear things you can't see. You don't trust things you can't see. Like it works thematically. And she is, as you said, also probably the least developed of all the characters. And you always want to be very careful with a trader from within. You know, you don't want to look like, the writer can play with the readers yeah. and the writer can surprise the reader, but the writer should never ever embarrass yeah. or intentionally trick the reader to the point where you've now insulted or angered the reader. So you have to be careful which yeah. character you pick as the villain. So if you pick someone who is really well-developed, Kevin, that usually doesn't go over too well with the yeah. with, with readers. 
Yeah, and, and Invisible Girl has been around enough, like where she's in, yes. almost, in, in every training arc that we've had with Class 1A, she's always been like part of a team or you've seen yep. her around enough yep. so that you're like, yep. you always remember her. Yep. And, but she's still not like the main, she's never been a main focus character. Nope. She's never had, like, like I said, she's always been like a silly character the entire time. Yep. She's always joking about fashion or something uh-huh. with all the other females in Class 1A or like when in the team, like in the team battles that they've had. Um, right. she, she'll use like some of her powers to like help out, but she's never been like, I would say, like you said, the least developed character probably in class one, a, even yep. like the lower, like the lesser developed characters have had some spotlight or like time to, for their personalities to shine at the very yep. least. Um, and, and also with her powers, it also gives like an added depth because we know that all for one knows so much about class one, a and UA yep. high school. Yep. And so it kind of this will also help explain because like when you go back in flashbacks with her powers you could actually say that she was around a lot like when Deku was learning about his black whip and like with the rest Got of class 1a and stuff like that you could actually horikoshi has built in a way for her to have always been around using yes. her powers to spy on on the rest of class 1a and it being still logical so we could get flashbacks to scenes that we've already seen from a different perspective and it's mm-hmm. going to be logical because you understand her powers and you also understand that from previous chapters of how much all for one knows That's that right. that uh, it, it all makes sense that he would find out. And maybe she's actually gone to Tartarus and stuff like that, because like it always seemed like whenever we saw all for one at Tartarus, he knew a lot more than somehow. Yes. And yep. maybe Invisible Girl was his way way in of like she went to Tartarus to give him information so that whenever all, he would meet All Might or some other hero, that's how he he got played played into that stuff. Yep, absolutely. So, no, I. I think she's an excellent choice, and I'm really excited, really excited to see how the rest of Class 1A reacts to this reveal. It's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah, and I, I hope that, it, like, again, I hope that it's her, and but I also hope that we don't see that it revealed to Class 1A too quickly, that it's Agreed. a buildup. Yes. I hope yeah, that it's a buildup. Yeah, and I we hope need, that we I, tease it out for a little while, right? And I hope that the buildup is, like, where we continue to see her playful side of things, and it's not like... Right. It's, it, like super obvious like he go now that he's revealed uh, her like i hope yeah. that she st- sticks to the same personality and i yes. always like questioning her, every single motivation that she has yeah and, so that way when the big reveal happens sometime next year possibly yeah. that it, it, it's even more impactful because we've seen her act so normal and we know that that normal that she's been acting the entire time isn't actually her real personality got that right yeah i'm i'm totally on board with that so again it's gonna be interesting is there anything else that stood out to you with with these chapters for the only thing, Kevin, uh, I feel like we should talk about a little bit about it before we get to the grades, the art, Kevin. Mm-hmm. The, look, the art, Horikoshi's delivered some fantastic art, mm-hmm. but I think he just kicked it into an entirely new gear, Kevin, at least with the, you know, maybe not with chapter 335, uh, but for sure chapters 332 through 334, I think he just kicked it into an entirely new gear with this battle between Shigaraki and Star and Stripe. I thought that art was insanely good. Yeah, and it's one of those times where like this, these entire uh, like four chapters and really this entire story because um, did such an excellent job of like not being just amazing, but it makes me hope that like the people behind Studio Bones get all the budget in the world so that they make this oh, as epic as yeah. Horikoshi made it, just in like with the black and white. And I, hopefully, like now, like once we get to this in the anime, 
like yep. Studio Bones has that like movie level budget because this deserves to be have that movie level budget extreme because Horikoshi did so much excellent work and you you could tell that he poured like all his energy into the, these action sequences that like at 335 it was like not just a calm moment of like hey let's take a step back of like assess everything oh, it was like he Horikoshi the heart like, back Kevin or Horikoshi was like also hey I need to relax because like yeah. I, just, I just did a lot. And, yeah, and you, could, and you could be, and you could be totally like, you know what, Horikoshi, you did a lot. You, yes, you, you, you deserve like a break at least one chapter. Like, you, you oh. maybe, maybe you could get get a one week of vacation from your editors, but at least you get a, you don't have to. You could take it easy in terms of the artwork for three thirty five because you didn't need to go all out with that. Like, no, with no. The previous, like the art what, eight, eight, you can like, tell when you read it, Kevin. That like most of the panels don't have any backgrounds yeah the characters are just kind of simply drawn i mean you can yeah. tell that he was like whoo i need a break after the past couple of chapters Cause, cause, <laughs> and yeah, I'm, cool. I'm fine with artists yeah. artists you know packing crazy amount of detail in a couple of um, of chapters that are important and then taking yeah. off a chapter or two where it's not required to have such amazing yeah. art i'm actually yeah. i know a lot of people complain about the lack of consistency I'm okay with that because yeah. again, this is a weekly format medium, so I'm very okay and, with it. And the artwork for 335 isn't bad either. It's just like oh no, it's not, not at it's all. Not, like when you see the other chapters of like not just November, yeah, chapter, like the previous November chapters, but also like October and September, right. you could see it. Like he poured a lot of effort into that. Yes. Of, and like yes. you, like he could not just not like he could take a step back, relax a little bit with 335. Like let me just like draw the characters. It's gonna be more character focused. So yeah, I don't need to like. It could be completely white backgrounds and just right. focus, which is still like it's still fine because of the type it's of still scenes. Good. They're still the type of scenes they are. Like you don't need to put a massive amount of detail in those because it's again all talking heavy scenes that are yeah. needed for the right. story to progress to the next point. And so it's like you know what, it's totally fine that you don't need to like Ochako doesn't need to look super detailed or like right, like, like really like you could tell like Ochako like. What is Deku and Bakugo yeah. were the only ones really like detailed throughout the yes, chapters. And absolutely. Then, yeah. Got those like the rest of class 1A was like very minimalist. Like yeah. got their yeah. overall like silhouettes <laughs> and like some their eyes and that's it. Yeah. Um, which was fine. It was totally fine. And it, like, yep. again, it, it, it doesn't distract from the story and what the impact yeah. of like what is being said on screen. And um, I think uh, Horikoshi was very smart in terms of how much how much uh, energy he was putting into his artwork too. Uh, totally agree. And then just like with how, and also like just going back to the like 332 to 334 of just like seeing how like hulking the new order quirk, like when, yeah. whenever you saw that stuff, everything oh. with the artwork just felt believable to the character. Yep. And again, just speaks to like Horikoshi's storytelling of like, you believe everything that, every decision that the characters make and every reveal that's made in the, again, the fight against Shigaraki and Star and Stripe, it's all believable. It's nothing like, do sex machina uh, oh yeah things of like oh this needed to happen because i needed this and this and this it's just like it's all a natural part of the story and like the artwork helps so much with that totally agree so awesome well i think that's really it for for this uh that my my thoughts on these chapters is there anything else that nope i'm uh, good all right yeah um so what do you think of november's chapters for my hero academia i'm gonna go I'm going to go straight nine Nichols out of 10 for both the art and the story. And that nine Nichols out of 10 for the artwork is mainly for yeah. the three chapters before three, three, five, obviously, but yeah, yeah great straight nines for, for me. So yeah, I'm going to go a little bit higher with the story. I'm going to go actually a, my rare 10 for the story. Oh, um, just because, just cause <laughs> I, I enjoyed the story so much. And I think this was honestly like one of the best story arcs that, 
My Hero Academia has done, especially because of how short it was. Right. Um, because right. this isn't wasn't actually a long story arc whatsoever with Star and Stripes introduction and the fight right, with Shiraki. Right. It was very quick. It was very quick in comparison to all the other story arcs, and it works so incredibly well. It's probably I would have to think about it more, and but it might go down as one of my my favorite, if not my favorite story arc of My Hero Academia so far. Nice. And the artwork, I, I do, I did enjoy it really uh, a lot of with Nine Night Girls out of ten for the artwork. It, again, mm. he does so such a great job. Even three thirty five that isn't as detailed. It's still very good, and the artwork yep. does what, what it needs to do to get the story across. And there's so much attention to detail with the previous like three thirty two to three thirty four. So, um, so overall nine and a half Night Girls out of ten. I think this is the most really honestly the most excited I've been going into a new year for My Hero Academia, and I can't wait yes. for what how like how Horikoshi ends this uh 2021 in, in december completely agree i'm right there with you i'm i'm so pumped up for what we have in store next year it's, it's gonna be awesome awesome well again rock thank you very much for joining me on this episode and um before i end things i'm actually going to just talk about a little bit of what, what our plans are for december so for, for december we're probably not going to do a manga review discussion um, like we've done in the past or for these past months, like at the end of the month, instead we're going to be revealing our top 10 manga and animes for the year. Um, And we're also going to be covering the Shonen Jumps uh, Jump Festa in December. So just kind of expect that those uh, episodes coming out here in throughout December, we'll also be covering like the three new manga series that came out in Shonen Jump. So that's kind of going round out our December. We're actually going, to, we're going to attempt to do four episodes, uh, three episodes, definitely. So um, it's happening, expect, Kevin. Yeah, it's <laughs> happening. It's that end of the year where we want to talk all about our favorites of the year. So like, just expect that for December. So, um, and Rock and I will both have our own list that we're not going to talk about until the episode. So it's going to be a fun review of who, what our top mangas were for the year. So, um, and animes as well. So expect that for the month of december but again like i said before rock thank you very much for joining me on this episode uh it was great talking to you about all these great manga series that we had this month thanks for having me kevin awesome well everyone have a good rest of your day